Welcome back to Real Estate and More. I'm your host, Michael Hatfield. Today, we're very fortunate to have Miss Deb. She's a senior escrow officer, someone that is very experienced in title and escrows. We're gonna talk more uh, on this important topic that is definitely a key element of the buy-sell home transaction. Most people take it for granted, we don't. Fortunate to have her here today. So once again, welcome back, Miss Deb. Taxes, you know, property taxes. You know, how do those property taxes work? I've heard you do this uh, <laughs> this speech a few times, more than once. How do they actually work in, let's just say Contra Costa County? You know, when an escrow closes, a lot of times at that time, what's available to us is what's a public record. And it's very important that we make clear to the buyer that we are basing the taxes on what's available at the time. We're prorating on what's available at the time. But the biggest thing is that the buyer is aware that there's going to be a supplemental tax bill. Um, that is a surprise that we do not want the buyers to have. Um, you know, when escrow closes, it takes about eight to 10 weeks for the county to get that deed in their hands because we usually e-record they will reach out to the buyer they'll send them a letter asking them if they're applying for any exemptions they'll normally give them a few weeks to respond and when they don't hear back which usually in a regular purchase transaction they won't um, respond to any of those questions because they don't apply then the county will start the reassessment and depending on the time of year that you purchase, you could end up with one supplemental bill, tax bill. You might end up with two. Right now, the tax rolls have already been released. So right now, the taxes are sitting in the seller's amount. So anybody purchasing right now will get a piggyback bill to that tax bill that's in the seller's amount, but they'll also get a small supplemental from the date that the transaction closed to the point where the property got reassessed. It's never more money than you're supposed to pay. It's just how they break that out based on the tax year. Ah, I understand. So you mean that if I were to look at uh, the taxes that are being paid on a home that is being sold by a seller that bought in 1965, you mean that I'm going to have to pay more uh, property taxes on that, ad valorem taxes, so to speak, if um, if I buy that house for a million dollars? I am so sorry, yes. Um, <laughs> that would be you buying my mom's house. She's been in my house since before I was born. And when she gets to the point of selling that home, her taxes on that house are maybe $1,000 a year. So the reassessment is going to be pretty heavy on that home to the buyer. So it's really good if you kind of know that up front. As far as when was the last owner? When did the last owner of this property buy this property? so that you can let your buyer know you're going to have a large supplemental tax bill. You will have a small supplemental tax bill, anything that's closed escrow in, you know, in the last year, maybe that happens to be selling right now, the supplemental tax bill is gonna be a lot smaller than somebody that owned the property since 1956. Unbelievable, so it's like, uh, it's like this, I'm gonna have to pay Roughly 1.15%, roughly, I said. Now, I'm just throwing a broad estimate of the purchase price. Correct. We estimate about one and a quarter percent of the purchase price is what the new tax bill will be. And we're very lucky right now that lenders are so astute because when they're setting up impound accounts for these new buyers, they also set those impound accounts based on one and a quarter percent. They don't base them on what's of current record. 
so those impound accounts won't be short. So, you know, majority of the lenders out there are fabulous about that. Ah, ah. So when, so I've got to pay all this money uh, for taxes when I buy a house in in today's uh, home value. Um, is there any way that I, if if uh, if I if my say my your mom had a trust, and you became the owner or the the successor trustee, would the property be reassessed? When we sold the property, the property would be reassessed. The and county is very wise, so if I were to move into that property and stay there four years and then decide to sell it. I have to at some point record that affidavit of death. And once I record that affidavit, the county will go back to her date of death and reassess that property and send me, even though I'm the seller, that supplemental tax bill from her date of death to the point where they figured out that the property has changed hands. You're just an amazing person with amazing (laughs) knowledge. Okay, well, I just switch gears a little bit. How is a buyer's mortgage integrated into the escrow process? I mean, specifically, how to detail-wise. The lenders are very well aware of us when the escrow opens. The realtor will share our information and almost within 24 to 48 hours, I will hear from that lender and that lender will want fees from me. They will give me the approximate amount of that loan and they will want my charges. Um, They continue to keep us informed through the transaction. They'll reach out and sometimes they'll need additional documentation. They'll want to be added to that title report. They'll want a closing protection letter knowing that their loan is going to be protected and insured by us. Um, At the very end of the transaction that closing disclosure goes out to the buyer and the next thing I see is loan documents and those loan documents will have instructions in them they will name my commissions in there they will name my home warranties in there they will name my geologic report in there everything will be detailed on their paperwork and I will integrate their information into my file unbelievable you're not losing your smile over there on me now because uh i just have been kept going i love and, escrow you can it, talk all day yeah yeah and i, I have just kept going uh, <laughs> past uh, the time deal so let's just keep rolling with it I, i'm okay. liking what our listeners are hearing because they're getting it from um out the horse's mouth so to speak and i think that is the best place to give this type of of uh information out to people hear it from the horse's mouth and you're really good and you're no horse but i mean you know what i mean i know okay Okay. what is a successor trustee we touched that earlier successor trustees in a trust agreement you'll have the trustees those are the parties that usually started the trust they're also usually the settlers of the trust the creators um when something happens to one of my trustees then the remaining trustee will stay on yeah Yeah. the remaining trustee will stay on if i only had one trustee like in the case of my mom um the successor trustee is appointed in the trust so in the body of the trust it will tell you who is stepping in and my successor trustee may step in because of incompetence could step in because Maybe she's traveling and she's not going to be around to deal with the transactions so she can step down as a trustee and let the successor step in. Um, Or we have death. 
So the successor trustee is basically the acting party on behalf of the trust. The trust is the owner of the property once you put it in. It is no longer the parties. It's no longer the people. It's the trust. And that's how you avoid probate is the trust owns the property, not the person. It's interesting. It's like a separate person, but it's yeah. not. It's an entity, so yes. to speak. Absolutely. It's great. What is the process of a homeowner who passes without a trust? How does that affect uh, well, the escrow. Well, we hope that there's someone on title with them. Um, but if they are alone, single woman, unmarried man, um, the property will need to go to probate. And so they will have to seek out a probate attorney. Um, in some cases, the probate is quick. Sometimes it's long. It just depends on the party relationships so if there are kids that don't contest the trust then the probate can be a lot faster um, if there are if there's a will involved sometimes that makes it a little bit quicker than if somebody dies in test state without a will very good when we were talking earlier we were talking about liens on the property and title insurance uh, will guarantee or they'll warranty and they'll they'll how do they do that if let's just say that you sold or a home sells and there's title insurance for the buyer. And then all of a sudden, um, there's this easement that comes across the property was not on public record, but is an actual deed from 1865. How is that dealt with by the title insurance company? If it's a claim issue and it's going to cause a claim for our buyer, the buyer will then reach out to us and provide us their information for title insurance and we turn it over to our claims department and our claims department will step in and settle that claim with the buyer. Mm, so they'll it's like a monetary out of court kind of a thing usually or what have you. What happens if there's a contest to the actual deed because of a certain lien that might be on the property? What what are some of the outcomes possible from that? That is absolutely what title insurance is for. Um, we hire the attorneys to fight whatever lien may show up. If there is a problem with deeding, if there is, as I said, if somebody signed under duress, maybe two parties back, if there is an issue with incompet incompetency on one of the deeds that was executed. That is why it's so important to have title insurance for the amount that you pay in title insurance by, by going into claim it will cost you so much more to hire an attorney if you waive title insurance, but that's what title insurance is for. Our legal team steps in and fights fights it in court for you. Ah, oh, I see, I see. Now, we had a, a home that we sold uh, recently, and down the street, uh, this home had sold before ours did, and it's it just kept saying pending, 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 pending. And it turns out that there was a cloud on the title. Mm. What is a cloud on title? A cloud on title can be numerous things. It could be deed issues. It could be liens that were, they were having a problem getting cleared. Um, when you pay off a mortgage on the property, it is the responsibility of the lender to release the lien. Um, every deed of trust has a recording number, 2023-1234. If they release 2023-1235, the sister document to that deed of trust, which is a deed of reconveyance, will not release the lien of record. So sometimes we have to go back to that lender and say, 
We know this loan's paid off. We know it was cleared, but the reconveyance is not showing up of record. So clearing that cloud may be dealing with the lender that got paid off. It might be dealing with the judgment that was already paid off, but never got released. A lot of times you'll have parties that'll pay off something and they'll get the release in their hand and not know what to do with it. So they file it away. So sometimes we're chasing after releases to get the property clean so that it's ready to pass to the new buyer. That is amazing amount of work that you do. Amazing amount of work that you do. So it actually will affect the transfer of ownership and escrow if there's a cloud on the title until it's remedied one way or another. Um, that can be a real hectic thing and it certainly it's going to put everybody on edge the sellers and the buyers and the agents and they're trying to get it done and you know you're going to be right in the middle of it my dear but i couldn't think of anyone better at it than you <laughs> so this is a really good reason when a uh, pre-sale escrow is opened that there is a, um, a preliminary title report that's generated by your your department and that shows what liens there may be on on record liens such as mortgage easement hoa special assessments all of that um you can expect to see on there um on that title um and some of it's very complex absolutely uh, very complex they, they they refer to this book of this in the deed of records in the in um hoboken virginia or i mean there's so much of that that has to be looked at and dealt with before a transaction can actually close. So there's a lot, a lot going on behind the scenes, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we talked about the title insurance, but isn't there a, um, a better title insurance and a lesser better type? The company I work for issues the Alta Extended Policy. It protects you and allows you to take the property in and out of trust. Um, in the past, there was options for standard policies, different types, but we always issue the Alta Extended because somewhere down the line, somebody may want to put it in trust and we don't want them to lose their policy because they divested out of their names into their trust. Ah, very, very good. I, lenders, title insurance, they that's just required. I have not met a lender that wants to loan without title insurance. Their title insurance covers them um, and any lender they sell that loan to. So as we know, loans don't necessarily stay with the lender that they've been taken out with. So if they sell it to another bank down the line, that policy follows to that next bank. If it sells 10 more times, it will follow. The only time that lender policy goes away is if the client specifically refinances the property. Then that policy will die with that lender and the borrower will then obtain a new policy for the new lender. My gosh. So when does the final signing of, uh, of releasing a house and the new owner, when does that actually occur? Uh, there's a, a real little process that goes on there in the last three days or so. And <laughs> so how does that go? I mean, how does that work? We always prefer to sign our sellers early, if possible, because there's no time limit on when they need to sign. We like to get them done early, let them settle in. They've got boxes to pack and places to go. So if we can get them executed, you know, a week before close of escrow, it's very comfortable. Sometimes that can't happen. Sometimes they're in other places. So then we have to work out notaries in other states, out of country. Yeah, done so, one of those or two. Yeah. So we like to get them done early if possible. Um, the buyers, we are limited to when those loan 
papers come into escrow. But as soon as they come to me, we take about an hour to prepare them, and then we will be ready to go. Mm. So we get the buyer's signed. So it really doesn't matter when the seller signs because, you know, there's nothing to that's that's time sensitive. But, but on the buyer's side, it's the buyer's loan documents that come in. So the process is the seller signs uh, and then the, the loan documents come into escrow. The buyer puts the buyer's uh, down payment, the rest of it from the difference between the down payment and, and the earnest money deposit that they've already done. They put that money in there. So that's in there. And then the bank's money comes in. And so all of the money's in there. Um, and your buyer has now signed. So you've got buyer signed, seller signed. All the money is in escrow. Then what happens? Everybody is just, this is such a cool time. The best thing ever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So at that point, we set up a recording with the county, and the county reviews our documents and makes sure all the notary stamps are in the right place, all the signatures look good, everything is clear to go, and we record. So we transfer the ownership interest from the seller to the buyer. Once it goes of record, we disperse out the monies. So all bills are paid, we pay out our commissions, we pay out our home warranty, we pay out our any invoice that has come into escrow, all gets settled out on that day. Um, only time that we ever have funds remaining in our file is once in a while we'll have a rent back and security deposit that we retain while the seller remains in the property, and that happens once in a while. Yeah, it's more often than, than next recently. You know, you sellers that need an extra week or two or three to to get moved, and so they, um, they rent it back from the new buyer who becomes comes the owner when the escrow closes. Correct. So that's kind of kind of crazy. So um, we touched on it. Wet signatures required to close escrow. Yes. Yeah, but it could be done with a mobile notary in XYZ location. Absolutely. Whatever is convenient for a buyer and seller. Sometimes I'll have sellers signing by mobile notary. Sometimes I'll have buyers signing by mobile notary. Um, but they definitely have to put their pen to paper. Um, the seller's grant deed, the county does not accept DocuSign signatures, so the grant deed is what's going to transfer the interest, and the deed of trust has to have a wet signature, so we definitely need to see people. So you get that nice call from from Debbie that says, we're on record. And that means that that escrow has closed. Representing the buyer and the seller, the agents just love that call. I just love that call. <laughs> Backing it up for a couple days um, to that occurrence and say, well, you know, um, when a lender says we're cleared to close, what does that mean to our senior escrow officer? Oh, we love clear to close. Clear to close <laughs> means that I'm going to be seeing your loan document soon. So it means that all conditions have been met and the lender is at the point of releasing those papers. So uh-huh. it's a chance for me to send an email out to my agents and let them know to get your clients to clear their calendar. We're going to be ready to sign some papers and mm-hmm. make a house their home. Mm-hmm. In, your, in your view, at the closing, what is the absolute most important document to a seller or to a buyer? I would say the grant deed. The grant deed. The, the buyer wants to know that this is now theirs. They've given up their money. Their money is with me. Um, the seller, of course, wants to see their wire in their account um, so they can move on and start the next chapter of their life. Ah, very good. Now, one other thought is now somebody opens an escrow with you mm-hmm. and uh, the um, 
the uh, seller is going to 1031 exchange mm-hmm. into a replacement property. Don't look at me like you're scared. I'm not scared it's at not, all. I know you know this one. <laughs> so the buyer comes in and he's still going to place the money with you. Yes. And what do you do with that money? The buyer is still the buyer of the property. Um, they, their money may be coming in the difference from them. Um, most likely the balance is coming from the exchange company. So a lot of times they've already started the first leg of that exchange. They've sold that property. The money is with the exchange company. We reach out to the exchange company, let them know that we're at closing. The buyer brings in the difference. The exchange company wires us what they were holding for that buyer. On the other end of it, if it's the seller, then the seller is still the direct deeder of the property to the buyer, but the funds at close of escrow will go to the exchange company. So the exchange company will hold those funds. Wow, those are, we've done a few of those, 1031s, yeah. Um, there's a couple really good exchange agents out there uh, that, that we like to use that work well with uh, the Debbie team. Absolutely. <laughs> there's times when the value of a great escrow officer make a huge difference. And we at uh, our Remax team have several clients who insist that we use the Deb team each time for escrow. She's done such a phenomenal job you know, in all of the escrows over the years that uh, they tend to like her more than they like me. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I mean, they become firm on who we use as an escrow team. And these, I would say, are are experienced uh, buyers and sellers because they know how important of a job that you do uh, in the middle of a buyer and a seller. And so if, if I were to use Nancy's words to describe Miss Deb's professionalism and escrow services over the many years, she, you know, she would say that the Deb is professional, analytical, communicative, incredibly smart, joyful, kind-hearted, and always willing to help. Extremely efficient and really wonderful to work with. So with that, I, I'm going to have to let her go to lunch because I've held her here longer than I told her that I would. I was a little bit sneaky on that one. But I will say this, as one can imagine, having an experienced realtor can represent you. Many important actions occur behind the scenes during a home buy or a sell. And one action includes the selection of an outstanding experienced escrow officer such as Deb. I know our listeners gained a wealth of knowledge from your sharing today as a veteran senior escrow officer and team leader. Thank you, Miss Debbie, for being our guest today. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we're very fortunate today. We have a a very well thought of and a very experienced senior loan officer. She's with Bay Area Funding Group. Her name is Carrie Sanford. She stopped in here just to tell us a status of the loan, um, mortgage loan market at this moment in time. And I guess we're talking about mid-October or thereabouts. Carrie, welcome to the show. Good good afternoon, Michael. How are you? Good, good. Tell me about the uh, interest rates uh, pretty much at this time. Currently, owner-occupied interest rates are ranging between 65 to 7.5%. Investment property purchased 
uh, mortgage rates are ranging from about seven and a half to eight and a half percent. And these rate ranges um, are dependent upon credit score, loan to value, types of property, and et cetera. Lower rates may be available for first-time home buyers earning less than 120% of the median income. In most Bay Area counties, this would be $189,840 per year. So Carrie, a lot of our office uh, agents are talking about the two-in-one buy-down. This is something that's really helpful for a buyer trying to get into a new home. Can you just give us a quick overview of that, please? Sure, a a two-in-one buy-down is a way to lower the monthly payments on a mortgage for the first two years of the loan. For instance, if the interest rate for a 30-year fixed today were 6.875, a 2-1 buy-down would bring that payment rate down to 4.875 year one and 5.875 year two, allowing the payments to step up for these home buyers. Wow, that sounds like quite the great deal. You know, Carrie, we have um, home buyers that are trying to save up that 20% down and they worry about PMI, but here in the Bay Area, we have a very special market. Um, I wonder if you've ever thought about the numbers between a 5% down now uh, versus the um, saving up the 20% and what does it mean if they buy now? Studies show that it takes first-time homebuyers about seven years to save up a 20% down payment. So buying now with 5% down can get these buyers into the market today and start earning appreciation now. Which is really important here in the Bay Area, not to mention the tax benefits. A lot of people don't really think about this, but they're having a lot of money withheld out of their paychecks when they don't own a home. Well, that money can be converted to in part pay on their house payment each month. And they just don't think about that. And not to mention depreciation on top of that too. Right, um, what I recommend to some clients is is do a sample tax return. Find an online tax service and pretend like you own your home and figure out if you have property tax deductions and interest deductions, how much can you actually save in annual federal and state taxes? Oh, very good point. Very good point. So when you balance all of this out, might be better just to go with a 5% down and go now and start capturing and enjoying that new home. That's right. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for stepping in uh, this afternoon, which will air in the morning. But uh, appreciate you coming in. This is Carrie Sanford. She's Senior Loan Officer with Bay Area Funding Group. She may be reached at 925-788-1029, 925-788-1029. Or you can just call us at 925-322-7775. You've been listening to Real Estate and More, Interesting People, Topics of the Day, and of course, Real Estate. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on KGOA 10 a.m. Have a most wonderful week. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. Information on the show provided for illustrator purposes only and does not constitute professional or legal advice. Information from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Michael Hatfield and the Michael Hatfield Remax team have no liability for information discussed on the show. Consult with qualified professionals prior to taking action.
We at the Michael Hatfield Remax team enjoy representing our valued clients. If you or someone you know is interested in buying or selling and wishes to schedule a complimentary appointment with the Michael Hatfield Remax team, call us at 925-322-7775. That's 925-322-7775. Or go to our website, michaelhatfieldhomes.com. I'm Michael Hatfield. Thank you for listening today. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for the next Real Estate and More, when we again sharpen our focus on how's the market. Join us next Saturday morning at 9 and have a wonderful week. Best wishes and blessings to you. DRE 0149